This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. My guest on the podcast this week is Christian Kromme, the author of Humanification, Go Digital, Stay Human. I was a tech entrepreneur in the tech business, software business, until I discovered uh, the DNA behind disruptive innovation, how to predict uh, disruptive innovation, and how to predict basically the next big wave of technological disruption. Together we can do more. We are wiser, we are smarter, we are more creative by sharing our thoughts, our ideas. So I think that our future is, is there where we are connected as one species and, and solve problems or on a global scale like, like food, uh, diseases and stuff. And solve that problems as a united yeah, network of, of, of humans, like one organism. I think people will be pushed to their purpose, to, their, to be the fullest that they can be. What you see is that that artificial intelligence or machine learning or deep learning enables technology to disappear, to make it invisible. And if things become invisible, especially technology, then they start to have the biggest impact. This is Christian. He's a visionary thinker, futurist keynote speaker and author. Christian Krommel was an innovative tech entrepreneur for 15 years until he discovered the DNA behind disruptive innovation and how to use this to predict the next big wave of technology disruption. Today, Christian is one of the most in-demand futurist keynote speakers, speaking in front of tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and policymakers about the radical impact of disruptive technology on humans and organizations. In today's podcast, we explore the key question, how we can go digital and stay human? How should we apply technology so that it strengthens the unique characteristics of people to deliver remarkable value? And during this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, how can we anticipate disruption before it happens? Secondly, how can we turn disruption and change into opportunity and advantage? And how, by reimagining things on a humanity scale, we will be capable of solving the world's biggest problems in a very short amount of time. To get the interview going, Christian, can you explain a little bit more about your background? Yeah, my name is Christian Krommer. For the past 15 or 18 years, uh, I was a tech entrepreneur in the tech business, software business, until I discovered uh, the DNA behind disruptive innovation, how to predict uh, disruptive innovation, 
and how to predict basically the next big wave of technological disruption. And today I'm an author and most in demand futurist keynote speaker speaking all over the world about change and how to adapt to change and basically driven change driven by technological disruption. So that's basically what I do today. I'm a board member in several companies and yeah, that's what I do. So what's your passion? What drives you behind uh, what you do on a day-to-day basis? Because I know that you've been, you've not been a keynote speaker and an author all your life. How did it came about? Yeah, that's, I was the owner of a company, a founder of a company that was pretty successful. Over time, we grew and grew bigger. What I found out, it was, it was going away from my passion. I was dealing with bankers, with uh, shareholders and stuff, offers, quotations, and not with my passion. And that's technology and impact of technology on humans. In 2011, my daughter was born, Lika. And after a couple of months, we discovered that she had a very severe heart problems. We went to hospital and we find out that she needs surgery right away. And that was a big change point in my life, a turning point, because when things go bad, you start to realize what's really important for you. And that's not all about business. It's about uh, the human part. During the search for my daughter's health, I discovered a pattern in, in biology, how biological organisms uh, evolve and organize themselves. And what I found out is that cells and biology are basically the same like humans and technology. We follow exactly the same pattern. I wrote a book about it, and now it's my mission, my drive to share that message, that findings, that discovery with the rest of humanity, at least with 1 billion people in my lifetime. That's a, it's a huge number, but if you think exponentially, I think it's possible uh, within a couple of years. And I, what I want to do is, is make people conscious about that they have to align with the human drive, with, with nature. I really think that that's it's a bright future in front of us, but we have to align with technology, or sorry, with, with nature again. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of companies that have to be conquered in the next few years. So that's my drive. I want to share my message with a lot of people, uh, as many people as possible. So that's why I am a keynote speaker. I'm currently working on a movie, this documentary about uh, unification. So that's really? practically uh, what I'm doing and what's, what drives me. What's my inner, inner fire? <laughs> so why do you believe that humans have to connect to the principles of, of, of nature and how it has evolved? If you look at nature, it's intrinsically programmed into nature to to unite. If you look at subatomic particles, they unite and they form atoms. Atoms form molecules, molecules from cells and cells from organisms. Our body is, is a cloud of 10 trillion cells at least. And humans also attract to each other. They are social, they communicate, they share ideas and concepts. And I think our future is also about connecting, reconnecting. And just like biology with cells connected the cells with each other, biological systems, I think technology is there to connect humanity. Together, we can do more. We are wiser. We are smarter. We are more creative by sharing our thoughts, our, our ideas. So I think that our future is, is there where we are connected as one species and, and solve problems or on a global scale like, like uh, food, uh, diseases and stuff. And solve that problems as a united yeah, network of, of, of humans like one organism yeah i understand so in your book you're talking about seven waves can yeah. you shortly yeah, kind of highlight each of the waves 
Yeah, uh, what I discovered when I dived into the biological evolution, the evolution of organisms, I found out seven disruptive waves, big waves of change where organisms changed into another species. The first wave that I discovered is that cells start to communicate with each other and start multicellular life. So they started bigger communities of cells. Over time, these groups of cells or communities grow and became bigger and they need some kind of infrastructure to exchange building blocks and energy throughout the organism. So they develop vascular systems and a digestive system that make them grow even faster. And over time, they need some kind of information system like a nervous system to send messages where building blocks are needed and where waste products are need to be gathered. So these organisms grow even faster after that. Then they start to develop some kind of automation level, a reptile brain, they call it. And it automates all the biological processes in the body so that the organisms start to get a look outside and focus outside its, its, or, its own organism. That were reptiles. And after a while, they start to develop a limbic brain that enabled these organisms to share on a cognitive level, share ideas, share concepts, learn from each other and start to evolve as a group. And after a while, organisms start to develop a new cortex brain. It is the brain that helps us to solve problems from scratch, to, to learn and adapt in real time. And finally, the prefrontal cortex is the latest biological development in our, in our body that helps us to imagine things and also execute things. And what I found out is that these seven waves are returning in our society. First, people start to communicate with each other, 20,000 BC, and then the agricultural revolutions start to become reality. People start to share ideas and then concepts about agriculture. And the first technological revolution was there. The second technological revolution was around 1800 AC, where people start to develop an infrastructure on a larger scale. So the uh, industrial revolution ignited the, the vascular system of humanity, as you, uh, of humanity, as you call it. So big industries uh, that digest raw materials into iron and they where you can build railroads, oil pipelines and our energy grid from. Yeah. So that's basically the vascular system of, of humanity. When we invented electricity, uh, the next wave appeared. That's the telecom revolution. We start to send messages using electricity from A to B, uh, using the telegraph, radio, television, and later on our, our internet as we know it today. <laughs> and as there is more information going over these networks, over these, this nerve system of humanity, we needed some kind of automation because we were very busy with managing all that information going through, routing it through all the, the lines. So we start to automate things. And that's the next big wave that we have seen is uh, starting in the 1960s, 70s, where we start to develop operating systems, software systems software routines that automate all kinds of processes. It's like the reptile brain. So we automate the entire internal processes of companies and also internal processes of computers. Yeah. And the last big wave that we have seen was the social media revolution, where we developed, as you will, the, the limbic brain of society, the social or emotional brain, where we start to share messages first on Google uh, and email and later on via YouTube, Twitter. And, and today we share things like taxis and apartments. Almost everything is, is shareable. And I think the, the next big wave uh, where we're already going towards is, is the, the learning wave. It's compared to the neocortex brain of organisms. And it will help us to solve problems and to develop tools to solve and to learn and adopt in real time. So deep learning, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence in the cloud is, is about the, the neocortex of humanity. And finally, I think that the last wave, the seventh wave, is all about a creative revolution. Because what happens if people are empowered personally by, by very powerful technology, like 3D printers, like machine learning, augmented reality, mixed reality and stuff, 
I think people will be pushed to their purpose, to their to be the fullest what they can be. And I think that will ignite a creative revolution. And if we are able to imagine things on the humanity scale using augmented yeah. reality and stuff and also co-create it, so execute it, I think that we will have a fully decentralized, distributed workforce of individuals or small startups that are capable of solving, I think, the world's biggest problem in, in a very short amount of time. So these are these seven waves are repeating, and uh, they are repeating from the first subatomic particle in the molecular level, cellular level, and now the organism level, and now we are on the humanity level, and, and the same seven waves are passing by. So yeah, it's, it's a predictable pattern, and, and if, if something is predictable, you can adapt to it and anticipate, and I think that's the most important for companies to anticipate the next big wave. Yeah, I get it. So that's also the reason why your book is called Humanification, Go Digital But Stay Human. So if you look at, you mentioned that we now, we have, we've already started with wave six, uh, the, the intelligent revolution. Have you seen already some impressive effects on humans with regards to, well, the products, the services, the thinking that, that actually is possible now with, uh, with where we are today? Yeah, basically what you see is that that artificial intelligence or machine learning or deep learning enables technology to disappear, to make it invisible. And if things become invisible, especially technology, then they start to have the biggest impact. Technology goes through multiple steps. First, it is envisioned, then it's operational, then it's applied. Later on, it's accepted by the masses and then becomes a vital part like a our smartphone today. And after that, it becomes invisible. Uh, it's not seen as technology anymore. And then it starts to have the biggest impact. And the latest step, the seventh step, is then technology is naturalized or humanized. And then it becomes part of us. And what we see today with artificial intelligence is they they are able to, to recognize images, for example. They are able to navigate in our world with autonomous cars and, and autonomous drones. And now we are entering an area where technology is able to recognize our language. And language, human language is a very complex thing because everyone is using different words, different contexts. So machines start to understand our world and also understand our language. And I, I yeah. think, and what we see today already happening with all the assistants like Google Assistant, Alexa, uh, Siri, they are first premature uh, steps in, into a world where we can control very advanced, very powerful exponential technology simply by using our voice. And I think that will be the, the biggest enabler that we have seen in the entire history of technology. So people who are disabled or, or elderly people who don't have any knowledge about digital technology, they can interact with very powerful technology and for private individuals, but also companies. So I think that that part will give us, yeah, I think, augment reality, augment humanity in an exponential way. So everyone can can use exponential technology simply by using his voice. And then yeah. the latest step is that these systems will also make decisions first together with us and perhaps later on for us. And that's also happening in the, in the medical area, for example, where uh, we have diagnostics made by artificial intelligence, which are very accurate and very fast. Yeah, so we can, we can make a lot of business more human-like by using these humanizing technologies. And I think AI is, is the front runner in, in making technology more human. Yeah, I agree. It's typically also, well, that's the reason why I started this podcast in the, uh, from the start is that I believe that if technology is about augmenting people, focusing on the unique strength of people, that then really yeah, impressive value can, can be created, a unique value can be created, which is a lot more impactful than simply automating people out of their job. 
yesterday actually I had an interview with uh, someone from the, from the the health space that is actually using uh, technology to allow uh, surgeons to do operations or to participate in operations anywhere in the world, which is again it's it's using the the elements of your wave five, the, being able to share things, being able to uh, work uh, location independent, but then again using the technology to to add the value in and to to share skills in a way that it helps yeah to reach people that would otherwise not be able to be uh, to be helped. Yeah. And that's also I think that's a good form of uh, what you call exponential thinking. So. I mean, if you look at business, how would you view competitiveness of businesses is changing with respect to these technologies? I think the the, the gap between the the, the front runners and and uh, the rest of the the business will grow exponentially fast. Uh, the companies that adapt uh, machine learning, deep learning, or or deep neural networks, or computers that can learn by themselves, will make exponential speed. And I think the companies that don't adapt these kind of technologies will not be able to make their products and, and services more human-like. And I think that is essential to be adapted. People get used to speech agents or, or speaking virtual assistants and smart technology. And if your your technology is not smart or not smart enough, then you will lose it from your competitors. So I think it is an essential part of, of businesses today, especially software businesses, to, to integrate and adapt these kind of new technologies like machine learning to make their products more human-like, more natural, and that will increase, I think, the adaption rate of, of these products. Are there, is there already, by the way, software available that, that helps these companies to be more creative and to actually get their products to the next level with the help of technology? Yeah, all, all the big players in the market like IBM, uh, Google, Microsoft are creating libraries for machine learning. So they have uh, a software library that you can use. Most of them are, are free or open source. For example, TensorFlow from, from Google. And you can use these libraries and within a couple of days, you can already get huge amounts of, of feedback from these systems. So you can provide them with examples and these systems start to learn. And within a couple of days, you have good results already. It's from my own experience. So. The tools are there, but it's only, I think, for, for companies important to have the right mindset to, to experiment with these tools, not be afraid, but use these technologies, leverage them, and in that way, uh, gain exponential uh, competitiveness uh, against their competitors. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is next? I mean, in your book, you're talking about wave seven and the wave that is uh, still in someone's brain. <laughs> so someone is still uh, noodling about how, how it should be. And that, that could, of course, be all of us. I think you refer to it as the future of creation. What's going on in that particular phase and when will it start? I think the waves are getting shorter and the impact yeah. is getting higher. So each wave is higher and, and the, the, the time is shorter. This wave, about wave six, uh, about learning, machine learning, I think it will be eight or 10 years. And then the next wave will start. And that wave will be about the ultimate empowerment of the individual. Uh, what happens if people are enabled by augmented reality so they can visualize things uh, with, with groups, uh, with people all over the world. They can cooperate with people all over the world and see them if they're next to them in the same room while they're in Australia or, or in America, for example. What if you can speak and understand every language in the world? Google just launched earbuds that can translate 40 languages real time. And next year, it will be 80 languages or 160 languages. So I think all the obstacles for working together, co-create together with other people will be lower and lower and lower. 
So what will happen after 10 years, I think we will have software platforms that will be empowered by artificial intelligence that augment us and make us more productive, make us more creative, make us more social, make us more collaborative so that we can start to gather in, in online communities and start to solve world's greatest problems. And I think everyone can participate. So everyone can align with their purpose and can do the things they really like and technology helps them to reach those goals. And I think that will eventually result in, an, in a creative explosion where one millions or, or billions of new products and services will be there every year because everyone will be co-creating with each other and solving uh, the world's problems. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this wave because I think this will be a wave where a lot of people will excited about uh, because it will empower you in a way we cannot imagine uh, today. Yeah, I can imagine. One one thing actually that, that intrigued me in your book, particularly in the in Wave Seven, is what you refer to as your digital double. Um, yeah. Can you explain that a bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in in the past 10, 20 years, when we used the internet, so every purchase, every search, every small thing you did on the internet was stored on on a server in the database somewhere. I think in the near future, with, with blockchain technology, we will be owners, owners of this data. Today, the Googles and the Facebook are the owners, but I think in the future, in the near future, we'll be owners by, by ourselves. Yeah. And what if you add some kind of intelligence to all this data, all your decisions that you've made in the past 20 years and that you made today? I think that we are rebuilding a virtual version of ourselves in the virtual world that made the same decisions and that really understands how we work on a very deep level. So we will have, I think, a virtual double that represents us in the digital world that can be at multiple places at the same time yeah. and can do all kinds of boring jobs for us, like administration and stuff. And so we can focus to be more human in the real world. And so it, it will augment us and it will also give us reflection, self-reflection, yeah. so we can develop ourselves even faster than we can do today. Yeah, and they're already there because the Google Assistant, for example, it's, exactly. it's learning from every interaction that you have. So it's already building a database from your preferences. And the next time it won't ask you to dim the lights if you come home at night because it knows that you like it that way. So in that way, we will build, yeah, I think a virtual preferences or profile of ourselves that is also intelligent and can act and can do things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. There's, there's already a lot of things happening. Uh, the, the world of the chatbots is something that has really exploded in the last year. Yeah. Uh, and these, these chatbots are getting smarter and smarter. And that's where it starts. It starts on a small scale, but it will grow over time. So looking at, at companies, with your experience, with, your, well, with the book you've, you've been, you, you wrote, what advice would you give CEOs of, uh, of any company to stay relevant? <laughs> that, that's a good one. If, if a human being is in flow, in a flow state, then it's the most creative, most productive. And in a flow state, then your CEO brain is shut down and <laughs> your CEO brain is your prefrontal cortex. So I think if, one, if companies or communities want to be as productive and creative as possible, then they need to shut down the CEO function. Yeah, it's perhaps <laughs> a sad message, but... I think that the CEO of the future is more of an inspire, inspirator and more of a leader in, in a way of inspiring his, his people instead of controlling them. So in the future, I think companies are more of communities with people that are equal. Yep. So there's not one big leader, but perhaps there's one big person that is inspiring the rest where to go, showing them what direction to go. And I think that is the new role of, of the CEO, not a person that controls the company with KPIs and, and numbers and Excel sheets, but which is inspiring 
a group of people that follow him in, in a certain direction. So I think if you want to change into this kind of CEO, you have to have a different mindset and, and be equal to the people that are within your company, not their boss, but their inspirator. And I think that that's the most important thing that CEOs can do at this moment, be an inspirational leader instead of a controlling leader. Yeah, I agree. If you turn it to, uh, to well, the software space that we are both in, and you look at the decisions that ISVs, business software companies, are making, what advice would you give them to stay relevant uh, in the same way? I think it's it's looking at how the future of, of the workforces look look like. I think it will be a distributed and a decentralized workforce. People all over the world working together solve problems. So software platforms need to facilitate that. They need to bring people together. And to do that in a, in a proper way, you need to make your technology more human-like. So you have to be invisible for both people. Like, for example, the HoloLens of Microsoft, you can do holoporting. So you can see another person which you are meeting with and the yeah. other person is on the other side of the world, but it feels like he's in the same room. Yeah. I think that kind of use of technology makes technology invisible. It, it, it's, it augments the, the human part of our collaboration and i think that software platforms should do that should connect people and eventually disappear as as as, as technology it's it should look like a, a natural thing working together not a technological thing and i think that's the, i think the biggest, biggest focus point for a lot of companies in this space yeah i think that's uh, that's great advice i mean the traditionally i mean the world that i, that I came from is the, uh, the erp world and it was always about yeah, creating just a different interface to do this, to do exactly the same. You know, to move paper to electronic, and no yeah. one, no one, ever asked the questions like, why do we have to fill in those forms in the first place? Why can't we make it invisible? Yeah, I think that's a big revolution for many companies, not even in the ERP space. And I think you uh, you hit the mark there with making software invisible because that's what it's really going to be all about. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, thanks for this inspiring angle there. In your work that you doing these days and uh, and your on your in your mission to share these these thoughts and to get people to act in the right way if there was anything you could ask the audience what would be your your big ask my big ask would be what is your purpose the world is changing exponentially fast and in 5 years we will live in a totally different world and what will be your purpose, your added value in that world uh, as an individual, but also as a company? And I think if you go back to that question, what is your purpose, purpose your, of your existence? That's the biggest why question I think that you can ask. And that's uh, for a lot of companies and individuals, I think, a, a guide to, to a direction where they will be in the next five years and will be, uh, still have added value in, in, in our society. So yeah. why do you exist and what is your purpose here? Yeah, I, I, uh, I can't agree more with that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the basic question and the rest will follow from there. Yeah. So Christian, thank you for your, uh, for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. The pleasure was completely mine. It was really inspiring. And for everybody else that was listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Christian Kromme, the author of Humanification. And you can find more on Christian in a variety of ways. First of all, of course, there's Twitter. And Christian's Twitter handle is at Christian Kromme. Secondly, of course, you can find him on LinkedIn, but you can also go to his website. And his website is www.christiankromme.com. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology 
change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.